You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. My name is Angie. I am your host. And in the studio with me today is Mr. Mark Bird with Revive Ohio. Hello. Good day, Angie. We're continuing a three-part series on Jesus and what. And today, the question is, is he enough? Mark, what do you think? Is Jesus enough? Yeah, you know, I'm reminded of the song that says Jesus is more than enough. And we sing that, you know, or we have sang that, a lot of us. And Jesus, a lot of, you're more than enough. Yeah, and there's a lot of songs that say he is enough, but I don't think we live a life that reflects that we believe he's enough. Exactly. So let's tackle that today. We want to dive into Romans chapter five, because it's really setting the stage, I think, for this piece about, is he really enough? Is he really sufficient for our lives? Is he really all things that we need? The scripture says that Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. So what does he provide? Does he provide food? Does he provide shelter? Does he provide clothing? Does he provide more than that? I think so. I think he does too. Absolutely. I, right? And so what we have to ask ourselves is, what do we trust him for in our lives? I say that the goal is always to trust him for everything. However, right. once again, I don't think we always do. I think, uh, at least I'm speaking from personal experience, Angie, as, as a man, okay, we call to God to rescue us from a situation, mm -hmm. call for his help. Hey, Lord, help me here. You know, I'm desperate. I need you. Help me out here. And then he rescues us and delivers us. And then we as men, I know myself, thanks, Lord, I'll take it from here. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. like we get enough and right. then we think we can handle it. Exactly. And the whole thing is releasing it from beginning to end. It is. And I think that's the key or in a lot of cases, that's the struggle for some of us to relinquish that control forever. It's interesting. I've had this conversation with numerous people over the last few days. It seems to be a hot topic. And it's, it's like, I've walked through this. I always used to be the one who trusted for a time. Mm. And then I thought, okay, now we're good. I'll take over. And I finally just got to the place where I completely sat back and watched him and watched God unfold things and just trusted that he knew what he was doing. And if he's the God of the universe, and he knows everything. Why not trust that, that he's, he knows the beginning and the end. Why can't we trust him? He is enough. Yeah, Angie, and I don't know if you ever found yourself in this place, but I, I find myself in the place where God comes through again for the 300 billionth time. And I go, Lord, why, why did I doubt? Why exactly. did I waver? <laughs> you know. So anyway, today, uh, let's dive into verse uh, one of Romans five. Yeah, we're not going to get very far. <laughs> right. Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces patience and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out 
out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm, So we're looking at eight verses there, Angie. (laughs) Now, how much is in that eight verses? So much. There's so much. If we start breaking this down little by little, we could be here for weeks. I think we probably could, which we probably will be, Angie, but not necessarily (laughs) just in this text. But here's the fun part. In the very beginning, this is what I wanted to share today. This is on my heart today. The very first verse, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk about that peace for a minute. Because when you have peace, when you feel loved, when you accept love, it brings peace. The older I get, Angie, I'm more and more convinced that it's really peace that mankind is seeking. Absolutely. Like we find it and we see it and we talk about it like, oh, you're pursuing power, you're pursuing love, you're pursuing strength, you're pursuing these types of things. But I'm convinced that really what mankind is seeking is peace. Mm. Because I've even made this statement like when when there's been some different health concerns over the years of my life, it's been like, but peace of mind, peace of mind knowing is worth a million bucks. And I think peace of God that he only brings is worth infinite. And we have our own mindset on what peace looks like, but it says in the Bible that it's peace beyond all understanding. When we can get to that place, I think the world looks very different from that perspective. But how do we get to that real God peace, the peace that passes all understanding? Amen. And you know, I'm reminded of the song, when peace like a river attendeth my way. Oh, I love sitting and watching a stream just trickle by. And it is a very peaceful thing. That's still just the tip of the iceberg. It is. It is. And I'm thinking about John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is telling his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. And so again, the peace of God begins to diminish or push away or to wash away in the case, uh, all of our fears, our doubts, our worries. And hopefully I think the goal is in this, what we're talking about today is all the needs within ourselves to find something besides Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Even down to the smallest little thing, we replace the peace of God and there's back to our title, Jesus plus what? Right. So I think it's clear here that we tend to drift We do. And when we start Mm -hmm. drifting, we start being on a voyage looking for, okay, what else do I need for my life now that I'm drifting and God's got me in this peace like a river? I'm on this (laughs) river, so I'm on a hunt. Like, what else uh, can I find that will help my soul, my weary soul? And it's right back to the very first thing that we're talking about. Jesus and what is going to do it for me? So can I read to you from the Passion Translation? Yeah. Which is, this is Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It's very different, but I love that it's a little bit more conversational. 
Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one, has done for us. That's back to identity in it Christ. It totally is. It totally is. And I'm thinking about listening to that, Angie. I'm thinking about, well, if we really completely believed and trusted that he was everything, then we would find ourselves striving for other things even less. Wait, hold up. So what you're saying is we lack peace because we don't have the faith and we don't trust That's enough. It. So when we say Jesus in what, it's because we don't trust that Jesus is Enough. Enough. That's it. And I'm thinking about the word assurance as you're saying that. Oh, yeah. So what is that blessed assurance? Again, that many of us sing about. It's what is knowing. that assurance? It's it when is you know knowing. that you know that you know. That you're assured that you are right with God. That's the righteousness that you talked about. And in we that are verse. when we accept Christ, we immediately get that righteousness. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees what he did. Amen. But yeah. we don't live that way. If we viewed ourselves the way God views us, yes. and that's what that, that passage translation says. Uh, if we viewed ourselves as God viewed us in that we're fully and wholly accepted. Amen. Then we wouldn't be searching for anything else. No, there wouldn't be anything else. I think about my relationship with my wife. When I am completely filled up with her love and her peace, I'm not on a mission. I'm not looking for anything else. Why would you? Because I'm fully assured that I'm safe in her love. You could say the same thing by saying Jill and what? Yeah, that's right. You know, you don't need anything besides Jill. That's right. And that's just an example. But we're back to Jesus. My thing is, Mark, I mean, there's people out there who who know this in head knowledge. Yeah. But how do we help them to get it to their heart? How do we go that 18 inches, I guess is what they say, down yeah. to our heart? I think as we look into verses three through six, I think it kind of uncovers a couple things is, can we really still have that joy even when trials and tribulations come? Because that is the thing that I see the devil trying to pry us apart from that joy, that peace, that assurance, and these tribulations come and I just see it trying to pull us apart. I can understand that. I see it from a little different perspective. How do we get to the trust and the assurance if we don't go through the trial. Boy, that's good. <laughs> and so we're trying to take these wide turns to go around the trials and the tribulations. Right. But those are the things that grow us. How many times have you grown when you haven't gone through a trial? That's I it. mean, can you honestly say that you have grown the greatest lengths and you didn't have a trial to go through? It's not. It's connected. It is. And I heard a preacher say very recently, things don't grow on the mountaintop. Now we're mm. all looking from mountaintop to mount, aren't oh, we? Oh, yes. And so we look over this landscape, we go, hey, I love being on the mountain today. I'm full of Jesus. Yeah. I'm on fire. Yeah. But you know what? I really am not interested in going through the valley. I just want to stay on the mountaintop. But guess what? The valley's where all the green. Grows, yeah. Right. <laughs> the valley is beautiful and it lush. Is. And the river runs through it. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel led to share this story. When I was ministering in the nation of Haiti, there were people in the mountains that lived in the mountains, and there uh -huh. were people in the valley. That, and they were very separate, and they were very 
kind of against each other. They were antagonistic. But guess what? They needed each other. Mm, yes. So the people in the mountains, right, they had certain things that they made and could barter with, if you will. But then the people in the valley had the food, Mm. Where the things grew, right? Because again, same concept in the mountains, things didn't grow. So they had to make this relationship. And that really is the truth. We will not grow if we're always on the mountain. It says in here in verse three that we also glory yeah. in tribulations. Why can't we look at really tough times, even though it really hurts when you're in the middle of it? Why not? Feelings set aside, kind of step back and see that this can be a blessing because we can anticipate growth in this time. I know when you're in the middle of it, you don't see it, but right. sometimes we have to get past the the hurt feelings and the things like that to get to the other side and go, wow, look what God can do. He can redeem. Yeah. And I guess it must be old hymn day in my mind, Angie, today, because I'm I'm hearing leaning on the everlasting arms. So in these times like this, like that's when we need to learn that we can just literally fall backwards into the father's arms and literally lean on him to mm. provide what he has promised for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's in these uh, troubles that sometimes we're faced with these tribulations and trials and they literally knock us back. Sure. Literally, like I what I didn't see this coming, wham, hits us in the face. But are we able to lean back into the Father's arms and trust Him fully that He's carrying us through this trial and tribulation? And we shouldn't be afraid. I think that of all things, Christ says we are going to go through tribulations. I like the book of Isaiah where He says, "When you go through the fire, oh, yeah. and you won't get burned." Right. I mean, those are those are words that we can hang on to even in our darkest times. I just was counseling with a gentleman the other day who lost his very, very young, like 16 day old baby girl and just cried and very mad at God. Why mm. did God take my child? And you know, it's so hard. You know, we have to tackle the theology of right. that, that these things happen. But the bottom line is that, that these things are allowed by God, I guess. And, you know, it's hard to say, well, this is what God was thinking, because right. how do we know what he's thinking? So what do you tell a person who's going through trials and tribulations? And even though, yeah, we know it's going to be bringing us perseverance and yeah, it's going to end up giving us character and hope. But what do you say in the midst of those times to people who are really hurting? Well, it's interesting if I just ask the question like this, Angie, like who brings us hope? Who brings that to us? Who makes hope available to us? Only God does. Jesus and what? Jesus right? and nothing. Jesus and nothing. So verse five, now hope does not disappoint. Right. So you cannot be disappointed by hope because Jesus brings us hope. And so because of the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, the love of God has been revealed to you, right? And that is what brings us hope. So again, if Jesus brings peace and Jesus brings hope, what else do you need? Yeah, it's just hard to connect from the moment where you're hurting to the end, to the hope. It is. And I say, you can walk through the fire, but you won't get burned. And God is still, still loving us all the way through it. 
Amen. And it's saying that tribulation produces perseverance. How can you understand perseverance unless you're going through something or you've gone through something? And again, in this context, Jesus has carried you through it. Oh, yeah. Would you say, Angie, that Jesus has carried you through anything? Absolutely. You know, it takes me back to Footprints, the, mm. the old poem. And, you know, there are times when God knows you don't have the strength to do it yourself. And sometimes it's just, yeah, we just need to have him carry us through this one. And he does. He's very faithful about that. Let's get back to this. Jesus and what? Is he enough? So mm. is he enough in those dark times? Is he enough to help us to get through, to to be able to persevere, to be able to build character and to get us to the final thing of hope? But is he enough in our everyday life? Is he enough to meet those big needs as well as those small needs? What comes to my mind is the word sufficient. You know, I'm going to 2 Corinthians 12, and when Paul cried out to the Lord to be delivered from whatever this messenger of Satan was, this thorn in the flesh, and again, Jesus' words to Paul was in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Mm. And it's that exact thing. It's like, is he sufficient? Is his grace? Is his hope? Is his love, is that enough for every facet of our lives, Angie? That's what the question is that begs to me to get me back on my mind being renewed to my identity mm -hmm. in Christ and his love for me. I think sometimes it takes us just repeating that out loud over and over again, because in our head, we know we can trust him. But sometimes our feelings deceive mm. us and our feelings take us a different direction. So true. I think it's pretty well laid out. But I think here again, if you think about that, did Paul, the apostle, know this? Mm -hmm. Did the apostle Paul know about the grace of God? Absolutely. But yet Jesus is reminding him. Yeah, even he needs to be reminded. Absolutely right. And he thought it was important enough to jot down again and to write this letter to the Corinthian church and tell them about that. I'm reminded that his grace is sufficient. It is enough. So Jesus plus what? Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing that you can add to Jesus. He is everything. He is all things. He is enough. And even if you can't feel it, right. learn it in your head, start reading the Bible, it's going to open up and it'll get there. Amen. It'll get to the heart. <laughs> He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is all things to all men, right? And so that's what he is, and that's what we have to cling to. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. So today we were in Romans chapter five, we covered verses one through eight, and we were also in second Corinthians chapter 12, specifically in verses nine and 10. Actually, you, I think you did eight and nine actually. Yeah. So that's what we covered today. You guys can study that on your own. And of course, God is going to speak to you through his written word. So let's go ahead and move over right now to our testimony. Hey, this is Mark Bird with Time to Revive, and I am excited to again be back with Pastor Nathan Branham from Grace Fellowship Church in Lima, Ohio. Pastor Nathan, welcome back. 
Brother, thanks for having me. This is going to be a, a really fun time for me because I get to do a lot more listening today. And uh, I want to hear your story, brother. So, And listen, here's the cool thing. Uh, those people that may have caught you before, they probably want to hear your story or at least more of your story as well. And so if you don't mind, brother, I'd just like to pull the ripcord and say, go for it, brother. Share your heart with us today, would you? Sure. Thanks so much. Well, I was raised in a good Christian home, two older siblings. We went to United Assembly of God in Plymouth, Michigan, had a great home life. My parents loved the Lord. My dad was a worship leader, Royal Ranger leader, think Christian Cub Scouts. Uh, My mom was a homemaker, you know, stay-at-home mom. We just had the kind of American dream ideal family. But that changed when my dad stepped out on us with another woman. And my life went into a tailspin. Anyone that says that dads aren't important, my life is proof that they are vital. And at the age of 14, my life began to tailspin. The very night that we found out that he had a girlfriend, we went over and trashed her trailer that she lived in. And I said in my heart, I spoke in self-talk is so important. I said in my heart at that young age, I said, if my dad isn't around, nothing else matters. Wow. And that night I drank my first bottle of alcohol, slammed some tobacco into my mouth, and my life began to tailspin from that point. And those two years from 1992 to 1994, drugs just destroyed my life. Alcohol, LSD, weed, doing things with people and and girls that I shouldn't have been doing. And by September 4th of 1994, I was on the verge of death, of a nervous breakdown. I had to leave school that day. We just started a new school year, my junior year in high school. I went over to my grandmother's house. I plopped down on the chair and I said, Grandma, I don't know what's wrong. I began to bawl uncontrollably. And she kind of started to ask me all those kind of church lady questions. Are you worshiping Satan and things like that? And I said, no, I'm using drugs. And uh, she said, well, that's how Satan takes your mind. And she asked me, she offered me Christ. She said, do you want to receive Jesus? Listen, I had nowhere else to go but up. Wow. She offered me Christ. I said, yes, because I I truly felt like I, I couldn't go on. And she came over. She prayed a prayer that brought the Holy Spirit into my life Hmm. like I had never experienced before. I had a radical transformation. I went from a, now you're going to have to watch, these are are 90s bands. I went from a Beastie Boy loving, Rage Against the Machine, Pantera music listening, hippie pants, long hair individual to loving Jesus overnight. That same week, I shaved all my long hair off. I got clothes that fit me. I began to do schoolwork. I went from getting a 1.5 GPA in my first two years to getting four Pointos. I think I, I didn't quite get that in my senior, but, but just a radical. When you talk about being born again, brother, I was born again. That's not to give others you know, a, a misconception about what that means. Not right. everybody changed like that. But for me, that was my story. Some people, their change is gradual. Right. Mine was instantaneous, man. And I went from serving Jesus with twice the passion as I ever served Satan. Amen. And so in the process of serving Jesus, when I went to high school, listen, I I didn't have any context. I didn't have any training. We didn't have Revive Ohio. (laughs) Man, we didn't have Revive Ohio at the time. I wasn't a polished evangelist. All I knew to do is to tell my testimony wherever I could. And so 
you took a guy like me that that would have previously stood up in the middle of a party because he'd been drinking and danced a foolish jig, right? But now I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I would preach in the hallways. I would preach in the classroom. I didn't know what else to do. No one really taught me, but I saw what was what was taught in the Bible. I mm. saw that Jesus went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. And I thought, if he did it, I'm going to do it. So I'd, I'd come up on, a, on a, a classmate that had a broken leg. Well, I'm going to pray for you. I saw some kids that were lost. I'm going to tell you my story. And God began to work in my life in such a way as to completely outshine anything that my sinful lifestyle had led me into. And I think that's really the major part of my story. I, I think the first part of my story is kind of the, the American tragedy, right? right. I mean, we, all of our influ, our affluence and, and the lifestyle and the culture that we have have fed into this, you know, broken homes, divorces. That's typical, right? And, right. and, and I wasn't strung out on crack or meth or anything like that. I was broken teen. But I think the beauty of the story is what God did with me after is to take a lost, lonely, directionless teen that had no hope. What you see now is not what you would have seen back then. You wouldn't have said, man, he's got potential. Wow. But what God has done is a complete miracle. And how can I not do what he inspires and speaks to me to do? And admittedly, some of those things are a little out of the ordinary, but we have to do what God is telling us to do. I can't, Brother Mark, I can't do what God's telling you to do. You've got to do it and vice versa. And so I'm just so thankful for what he's done and what a blessing to be with you on this program. Amen. Thank you so much. And I'm I'm reminded of the fact that uh, I can't be you. So in order for me to try to be you is foolish. In order for you to try to be me is foolish. And we need to be who God has called us to be. And I think that speaks to obedience and being a disciple is being obedient to the master because the master calls, the master equips, the master fills and the master provides he gives all of the pieces to what he's calling us to be. Okay, hold up, back up. So you're in high school and you start just preaching in the hallways. Yes. And what was your expectation? Well, that's a good question. Let me just back up a little bit and say this. The day that I came to know the Lord, uh, up to that point, I was only alone in my headspace beside what the enemy would talk to me, which I didn't perceive as being Satan. I was alone in my headspace. And that means that the day that I came to know the Lord, here's what he spoke to me at the time, which I didn't even realize it was him, but it was the voice of the Lord in my mind. He said, Nathan, everything you've done to this point has been built on sin. If you want me to rescue you, you have to turn from it. Everything that you know, you have to turn and follow me. So to build up to this point of where I was preaching in the hallways, it really shows a development in the growth of hearing the voice of God, a mm. disciple, and disciplining myself that when I hear this new voice in my heart, in my mind, following it, I, I say this, success or failure in the kingdom of God is determined by how well you hear the voice of God and follow it. It was a process. And so I want to tell you, I failed more times than I've passed. And so I tell a little story in, in the book I've wrote about the time when God spoke to me to preach at what we called the pit and the pit at our high school. We had a mammoth high school at the time. There were 4,000 students spread out on two campuses. Now there are three campuses with, I think, 8,000 students, just a massive place there where I graduated high school. The pit was a, it was a depressed 
depression in, in the middle of the school where just people would hang out in between classes, the jocks, the rich kids, all the cool kids were there, right? As I was passing it one day, I felt the Lord impress upon my heart. Nathan, I want you to stand at the edge of that, that place. And I want you to share your testimony with all these kids. The first time he told me that I stopped looking at the pit, looked at the door and made my way out. And I said, that wasn't God, <laughs> Satan, I rebuke you. Right. <laughs> and I'm, and listen, Whenever you and I disobey the voice of the Lord, we always find ourselves t- taking one step further away from Father's house. Yeah. And we're always susceptible to darkness, depression, discouragement, and the devil, to be quite honest. And so I lived in doubt and discouragement for two weeks. And I said, God, if you just speak to me again, kind of like the prophet Jonah, God, if you'll speak to me again, <laughs> I'll stand on the side of that pit and I'll tell my testimony. And so it began there doing what I felt God was calling me to do and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit through the scripture, but also in my conscience. And so how does that play out for your everyday life? Have you been doing this ever since? You know what I have? And here's how I describe it. It's kind of like the crazy uncle side of me. And by crazy uncle, you know, you've, you've got that one family member that you might not be too proud of. You put them in the back room. Well, I've got, I've got a crazy uncle fool side for Christ in me. And there are times that God will impress upon me to speak at different places. And generally it's out of the ordinary. And sometimes that has been in restaurants. And I do that because number one, I can't shake it. I feel so convicted down in my heart that there's someone in that restaurant that needs to know that God loves them, that God sees them. And my, my hope is this. So to answer your question directly, my hope is that me doing that will be the prophetic voice, the inspired Holy Spirit voice to that person that had they just maybe out in the parking lot of that restaurant said, God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to show me that when I show up in that restaurant and I say, I I don't say an entire sermon, you know, I just kind of short and sweet, but they know that I was just thinking this and here comes this crazy guy. At least he looks like he's in his right mind. He's got a nice smile. He's kind. <laughs> no more long he looks hair. okay. Yeah, he, he looks okay. He doesn't look like the crazy demoniac he was back in the day. But I was just praying. And now look, God sent someone to tell me that he loves me. He's thinking about me. And all I need to do is reach out in faith. I wanted to thank Nathan for coming and sharing and pouring his heart out and being filleted open, wide open, and just being transparent about it. And I love the transparency of this in both ways, because what we really desire in this is transparency. Like, listen, you're going to hear stories and you're going to hear testimonies and you're going to have this cynicism and the skepticism. But you know what? We all go through that. Yeah. And that's what it is, because the biggest lie of the enemy is you're the only one thinking this. And that's the whole reason for what we talk about every single week. It's It's the truth. I mean, we're trying to say we know that our job here on earth is to spread the love of Christ, but we have a hard time stepping out and doing it. That's it. And so this exactly is why we do it. And so I really appreciate your testimony and I should walk with you sometime when you're out there doing that because I can just get charged up. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So be encouraged. Be of good cheer. Jesus is in the house. Amen. This is Mark Bird, and you've been listening to Time to Revive on Shine FM. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. We're community-supported Shine FM.